Suddenly, everybody's an expert at Silicon Valley Bank, a small regional firm that hardly anybody had heard of. It suddenly filled headline news far and wide, at least in the United States. In fact, it may be responsible for a major dramatic drop in bond yields here and around the world, or at least that's the idea here. So we need to investigate because there's something going on. There's certainly something going on in the marketplace, and Silicon Valley is a good place to start because there's a lot of different factors at play here, many of which kind of converge in its business model, as well as the general conditions of what we've been talking about for the last year or so. But in really, in reality, it goes back to last September and October. We've talked about how the monetary system has experienced these periodic spasm, and last year was a pretty substantial one. And lo and behold, as markets had priced increasing probabilities of a deflationary monetary outcome, now we start to see signals of a potential deflationary outcome, including a little tucked, a little little known bank tucked away in Silicon Valley. So to try to make sense of SVB yield curve inversions, panic buying in global bond markets, I'm going to bring in here the bond king himself, Mr. Stephen Van Meter. Steve, Silicon Valley Bank, is there something we should be talking about there? Yeah, Jeff, because this is all deflationary money stuff. I mean, this is, you know, if you have a problem with SVB, you got to go to SVM. And I think that's where we need to be talking here is, yes, this is all deflationary money. This is all function of the global economy slowing down because if the economy was growing and there was money coming into the system and expanding through the system, you don't see these happen. You don't see, you know, in an economic boom, you know, liquidity crisis at a bank. You don't see depositors, you know, or large ones getting on the news and saying, hey, we're telling everyone to yank your money out. I mean, you don't see that happening at all. And yet here we have, again, as you mentioned, a bank that no one really had ever heard of and everyone's suddenly an expert on because the fear they have, Jeff, and I, it is really coming down to this. If this could happen to a little unknown bank, is this the beginning of a contagion risk to other banks? And that's what's got everyone afraid right now. Yeah, I think that's the point is, right? Because we've seen it happen. If you see it a little bit off along the edges or out, out of the outer rings or the outer layers of the monetary system, you're right. You don't, you don't, these things don't happen when everything is going really fine. It's one of those things that, okay, it's not a big deal in and of itself. Silicon Valley Bank is not a globally systemic important financial institution. What do they call it? GSIBs, you know, global systemically important bank. That's not Silicon Valley Bank. And so the reason people are paying attention to it is because it grabs your attention. This is not normal. This is something that should not be happening, happening, especially now because the U.S. economy is booming. Jay Powell and Janet Yellen and everybody in the government says, Everything is fine. The financial system is more than resilient. In fact, it's so resilient, the Fed needs to slam the brakes on even harder. And yet, like last September, all that stuff that was not really about the UK, those Swiss National Bank dollar auctions, the, even though that was never a big thing, that was one of those things that said deflationary money. And now we've got a firm that's on the brink of perhaps insolvency. We'll see how that plays out. Again, I think that's really the overall point here is that as, as, as you just said, Steve, that this should not be happening. The fact that it is, I think it's grabbed people's attention because they realize this this is contrary to everything that we've been hearing about from all the right people. 
Yeah, because Jeff, we look at the payroll report. So we had last uh, month's overly amazing number, downly revised to still an amazing, you know, 502,000 or something like that. This month, 311,000. So if you look at it from, you know, a central banker's perspective, you're Jay Powell and you're looking at these payroll numbers, you go like, wow, this is fantastic news. It shows the economy is expanding. It puts pressure perhaps on inflation from demand. So we need to keep hiking rates. And then off, like you said, out on the fringe, you have you know this bank, and if you were in Silicon Valley, you would know who they are. If you're anywhere else, you have no clue. Is is this a function of complete mismanagement that, hey, this is just a one-off issue, or is there something going on in the underlying plumbing of the monetary system that is saying that, hey, maybe this looks like just an isolated case, but where there's one cockroach, I like to say, there's usually some more, and that's the fear is because if you look at the GSIBs, right, your Wells Fargo's, your JP Morgan's, and you know Citibank's, these big banks out there, they're they're not at any risk in terms of what we're seeing in Silicon Valley. The fear is because a lot of people bank at these small and mid-sized banks is is this the beginning of something that's now going to pop up all over the country? Yeah, if this was just an issue with just this one regional bank in Silicon Valley. Nobody would care. They'd say, okay, there's a bank. They, they made some bad loans. They made some bad bets. They didn't manage their liabilities properly. Nobody cares. But what we saw on Friday, which was a big downdraft in bond yields, not just in the U.S., but all over the world, suggests that this is not just about you know SVB. This is not Silicon Valley Bank. It's Is Silicon Valley Bank maybe the tip of the iceberg? Is it the first one? Is this... 2023's Northern Rock, because Northern Rock was just a small regional bank in the UK way back in 2007. We got some deflationary, uh, before that, we got inverted yield curves telling us the probability of deflationary money was incredibly high. Then all of a sudden we get this, this little UK bank, this little Scottish bank that goes the belly up, and suddenly everybody's on notice that it's not about the individual bank, it's about the monetary system. Now, to be clear, not saying that we're repeating 2008 subprime mortgage crisis or anything like that, but that curves have been absolutely consistently, persistently predicting this type of outcome. The fact that inversion means that lower rates are expected to go lower in the future. How do rates go lower in the future? There's only really a couple of ways to do that. And one of them is if the financial system is being disrupted by deflationary money. So, from last year on into this year, it's a it's not just it, it's a continuous worry, a, a continuous um, continuous signals from inside the monetary system that not everything is going as well as it's, it's supposed to. So I think Jeff, what you're trying to tell us here, and, and you please correct me if I'm wrong, that if we look at the banking system under normal times, we can't tell maybe the bad ones from the good ones because there's enough money being created. There's enough credit expanding. There's enough things going on that even the bad ones can eat by doing garbage loans. It's when we have deflationary money, the rot starts to float to the top. Now, what we don't know, because we don't have the details yet, is maybe there's rot inside SVB that we're unaware of that imagine in the weeks, if that's true, will come out and then we can say, aha, look at that. But the other side is, where's the other rot? And I think that's what you're trying to tell us is there may be other rot here. We just don't know how bad because we just don't know how bad the deflationary money is yet. But the curves tell us it's probably going to get a lot worse. 
That's the thing about deflationary money, right, Steve? If you're a liquidity provider, you're a money provider, suddenly you're skittish. You don't see there's enough liquidity in the system as it is. You start to become very choosy. You say, well, I don't really know if Silicon Valley Bank is bad or not, but I'm not going to I'm not going to take the chance. I'm not going to bother because I need to be very prudent with what how I provide liquidity. So everything becomes very discretionary and it becomes discretionary to the point where maybe we start to see as the old adage was, you know, when the tide goes out, we find out who's been swimming naked. Well, that's the point we're starting to see. We have been seeing for a long time. The tide has been receding, and now we're starting to get a look at all these naked bodies around, and it's, it's not looking all that great, right? No, because the Fed is acting as if we have inflationary money, which we don't have. And as you've said for I don't know how many years, that this all changed post-great financial crisis, that we went to a deflationary money environment. And the Fed's acting like we have inflationary money, even though they can't see that perhaps it's just price inflation or pandemic-related inflation or supply chain inflation, but they're treating it, right? This is like going to the doctor and say, hey, I have a cut. All right, well, saw your arm off because clearly like we're not sure what to do here. I mean, they're, they're, they're solving the problem with the wrong tool. And in turn, perhaps maybe the Fed is leading some uh, or causing or exasperating this deflationary money environment. And now we're seeing it start to show up in the banks and maybe it'll maybe it'll filter out. Maybe it'll get stopped here or maybe we'll start to see it in other places. And that's when people should start to get worried. Yeah. And I think the most compelling part of all this, uh, again, Friday, it started in Asia. We saw the Japanese government. Buy, I mean, the 10 year JGB, which is supposed I mean, pegged at 50 basis points. Suddenly there's tons of buying interest in that one. So this was a global phenomenon. And bond yields all over the world kept dropping even after the U.S. payroll report came out. We've got a rate hike coming up in, what, a little over a week here. We've got a rate hike in Europe next week. So, I mean, we got more rate hikes coming, and there was tons of global buying interest in these long-term safe instruments. So it tells you, again, this isn't just about Silicon Valley Bank. This is the the expectation that the deflationary tide, the monetary tide, has not just receded, it's been receding for a long time, and maybe that deflationary tide has gotten to the point where it's too low. And I also want to point out one more thing, Steve, I know you know this well. We look at the calendar here. The calendar is we're almost in the middle of March. And historically speaking, the middle of March, like the middle of September, these are seasonal bottlenecks. When the tide is low in terms of money and liquidity, it creates just these sort of problems. So what I'm saying is we have all of these signals coming in. Maybe they're not absolutely perfectly clear to the layperson, but when, you, when you're able to put these together and really decipher them, what they're saying is forget payrolls, forget the Fed, and really, don't, you know, it's not Silicon Valley Bank. It's the deflationary monetary tide receding. So, Jeff, if we're perhaps at the worst of this, does that suggest, based on your research into the calendars and cycles and all that, does that mean that maybe maybe this is the worst? Maybe Silicon Valley just happened to be at the wrong place at the wrong time, uh, got crunched under this liquidity issue, but maybe in the weeks to come, uh, the tide starts to come back and everything's okay? Now you're talking like Ben Bernanke after Bear Stearns in March 2008. Because that was a, it's exactly the same scenario. I mean, obviously, Silicon Valley Bank is no Bear Stearns, and we don't have that kind of same same systemic risk. But that doesn't mean there are different types of systemic risk. And that's really when we look at the marketplace, the global bond market. If this was just, 
hey, this is going to catch Silicon Valley Bank naked, and then everything will be fine once we get past the seasonal bottleneck. We get into April, and everything's fine. Why would you be buying Swedish 10-year bonds at the rate that people were buying Swedish 10-year bonds last night? You wouldn't be. It's The marketplace is telling you this is a really big deal. And it's again, it's not specifically SVB. It's what's driving SVB, the, the, the conditions and the the uh, financial uh, changes that are going on, the monetary changes that are going on that are creating these problems that are being revealed because we're hitting this seasonal bottleneck, which is an especially uh, special low point in the calendar, which again, if, if the tide goes out already and then it goes out a little more because of the seasonal factor, we're really starting to see who is naked here. That was always the risk, not necessarily more banks having problems, but just problems in general. That's what yield curve inversions were telling us. Again, yield curve inversion, I mean, just in very technical little literal terms, what that meant was nothing more than expectations that rates would be lower in the future than they are in the current period. That's all it really means. And then we have to think about what is it that would make rates go down from where they are today? And you think about it, well, the Fed wants rates to go up and the ECB wants rates to go up. So how can the market be betting so heavily on rates going down because that would that would involve a lot of scenarios that would have to at the very least get the Fed, the ECB and everybody else around the world to do a 180 degree turn, not just not just stop and you know stop and do a Fed pause, but completely change course and go into the opposite direction. And it's interesting Steve, you probably already know this too. You look at euro dollar futures early morning Friday. These were massive moves in the near term part of the curve into the uh, the reds contracts. And what that said was the market suddenly reevaluated not just um, higher for longer, but what happens once the Fed stops hiking rates? It's now looking like the market is again pretty certain that rate cuts are going to happen. So again, the the point here is that we're seeing these signals that the market is picking up that these are systemic signals about risks that will do what inversions say that's going to happen, which is. The Fed does this and then says, oh, oh I got to go this way, complete 180 degree turn. And we have to figure out what that actually means. Yes, because it's interesting that we come back to this, you know, something we talk about all the time on your show, Jeff, is why would someone buy a 30 year long bond at a far lower yield than, say, a five year T-note sitting at, say, 5% right now, knowing that odds are favorable at the moment that the Fed's going to raise rates at their next meeting. I mean, we have literally no indication, barring that Powell is really going to start looking at the yield curve and come up with some excuse, but he has not because everything he's been talking about, the payrolls and all this, everything is consistent with them raising rates. And yet you're right. The yield curve keeps telling us, not just are we seeing deflationary money, we're going to see inflation come crumbling down. We're going to see yields come, come crumbling down. And the only people that seem to not get it work for the Federal Reserve or some central bank around the world. Or they work at the New York Stock Exchange, right? Because as all of this is going on in the bond markets, which we believe are the real markets where information is discounted, stocks are like, eh, no big deal, just like they were in early 2008. So it's not unusual that we see a little bit of fear, maybe even a little bit of panic in the bond market, which has happened repeatedly. Think about, you know, uh, going back to 2018, for example, or October of 2014 different periods where something happens in the bonds in the wider public, the wider marketplace really doesn't pay any attention to it. So that in that one sense, 
I think that's what Silicon Valley Banker SVB has done us a little bit of a favor because it's shining a spotlight on these potential problems that otherwise would continue to go unnoticed because most people pay no attention to the yield curve. They get most of their, their information from Jay Powell and the Federal Reserve. And then Jay Powell and the Federal Reserve don't pay attention to the yield curve either, not really. So a lot of this stuff would go unnoticed, even though we had a major financial disruption and outbreak just a few months ago that was priced into the marketplace as this is not going to be a one-off either. No, the, the odds of this being a one-off uh, in my book is pretty low. And that's what's great about recessions because a lot of people, you know, they say, wow. Great about recessions, <laughs> famous words there. Right, well, yeah, oh, a conundrum. Maybe we'll use that instead. They're conundrum, in a conundrum yeah. because they're not recessions. We just don't understand why these things happen. You know, you, you, you could take three businesses and they're all doing well together, but you don't know that one of them has borrowed its way to success you once the economy slows down, once demand slows down, once all that changes, then you find out that, hey, maybe those two on the left, they have really strong balance sheets, they have cash. The other one is literally living loan to loan and they can't survive anymore. I think that's what we're starting to see here, Jeff. And that's what deflationary money does for us. It says, hey, look, whatever things you're doing right now, if you are cheating the system and playing the game to get ahead, well, we're going to fix that real quick. Again, we don't know as F SVB has done anything bad. Maybe they're just at the wrong place at the wrong time, and we know they don't have the assets they need to keep going. But that's what we're going to find out real quick. I don't think they're one off. I think there's more of them. The question is, we just don't know where they are. Yeah, and it's, as you said, the wrong place at the wrong time. And the wrong place and the wrong time means the economy, generally speaking, not in a good place. The economy is likely heading into a bad place. At the same time, the monetary system is constrained and therefore taking a second, third, maybe fourth look at some of these weaker institutions and deciding maybe I'm not gonna put any money there. Maybe the marketplace is gonna tighten up even further. So thank you for joining me again, Steve. Let's, uh, let's do this again next week to see if, uh, let's, well, first of all, to see how SVB turns out and how the bond market goes on the other side of the March bottleneck. I'll look forward to it, Jeff. Thanks for having me on. All right. Take care.